Hi, Saints Hill. So good to be with you guys today. Um, I want to continue a little bit of what we've been doing. I know it's the end of the vision series, but uh, coming out the tail end, I wanted to touch base on something that uh, Bria was already teaching on, and uh, she did a beautiful job on landing the uh, culture of honor, culture of celebration, respect that she uh, she did in the 8th of November. So I want to keep on driving on that sense, on that same point. So this is. This is related to our core values, what I want to dive into, which is basically culture of honor, keep on going on that culture, on, on, that, um, on, on that subject, but I just want to make sure that we cover what we do once we have a culture of celebration and uh, going on. So once you start receiving the honor, what do you do? Once you start receiving uh, what people are giving you, like, hey, you're amazing, you're, you're, you're all these things, you did beautiful, you served so well, what do you do with that honor? And, and also, how do we steward that? So I want to talk to you as leaders. I, I, I've noticed that, as I've mentioned before, that I've, um, I've changed a little bit the way that, we've been, uh, that I've been teaching here because I've seen so many of you already picking up the vision and already having people under, under you. So that's why I want to take advantage of, of, of this subject and go into the the myth of leaders of you, okay, how are you treating the people that you're, 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 you're guiding? How are you treating the people that are invested, investing in you and um, dedicated to follow you? So, all right, let's go into honor. So as, as Bria was mentioning, honor is, is, a pro, is one of the, um, yeah, it's one of the promises that has a reward on the end. Right? It always comes with a reward that once you honor someone, you receive, in the other, you receive something in return. The kingdom rewards the people that give honor. Now, when we give honor, honor is only given, it's not requested. And this is when we are going to get fun. Um, if you look at Jesus' actions, they are always contrasting with the Pharisees because the Pharisees were always requesting honor. They were always looking for people to see what they were doing and, the, and get that value from the people. Pharisees were looking for the congregation to be admired. They were looking for uh, the congregation to be seen as important, to see, be, be their identity be reinforced and empowered. Jesus, on the other hand, Jesus, on the other hand, was not looking for that. He was looking to serve. He was giving, looking to give honor. So it's, it's something that happens quite a bit in churches. We, we, we see it happening uh, constantly in our midst. And I, I, I'm not talking that, that since Hill is the, the exception, it happens here too, I'm sure. I don't have specific examples. But what, what could happen is that people start looking, you start doing a really good job and as you start feeling good from doing that good job and then when that honor and that, all that celebration is happening, uh, you start getting that identity from, from what you do. It's a normal thing. We do it at work, we do it at home and we do it at church. So how do we have that powerful culture that, that Jesus embodied where he could keep on giving? And I believe that this is the key is on Knowing that your worth is crucial. Your worth, what you know of how much you're worth is essential to know what to do when you receive honor. 
because when you receive honor, it doesn't come from, it, it doesn't, you, you don't manage it as something like, oh, thank you, and I feel good about myself. But it comes from, hey, this is something that God has given me the capability to receive. So who should I turn it back to? So your value comes from where? Comes from God. Because he values you. And you can value yourself. Having value for yourself gives you the ability to have value for other people. That's what Jesus would do. Since Jesus had value for himself because he was getting it from the Father, he was able to give value to the disciples. He was being able to give value to the people that were around him that needed to be blessed by his power and his anointing, which was completely different from what the Pharisees were doing with honor. Pharisees were looking for that. Jesus was giving it, right? So... In a culture of honor, I'm responsible for the conditions that I create around you. When I bring the best of you or the worst of you. Meaning that what I'm trying to do with people that I'm leading, what I'm trying to do with people is empowering them so that they find who they are in God. I'm not gonna control them because control is what scares people the most, right? Rejection does the same thing. Whenever you reject someone or you try to control someone, people start gain, going to great extents to feel that exception. And you start creating these uh, click groups that we can call them like that, where people feel like they belong now because there's that, there's that need in them to feel connected, right? So who you are, the value that you have that God has given you is actually to break that cycle. It's actually to break that norm and point people to their actual source of value. Now, what else uh, can cause this? Feeling invalidated? When someone is uh, in, in your midst and you're not validating what they're feeling, what they're, what they're going through, that's also another point of uh, contention. Another one is feeling powerlessness. Whenever we bring this uh, feeling people react with their, with their worst, you know? when we cut their options and we corner them. So what, how you treat people comes from your belief system. How we treat people here around us in church, how you treat your leaders, how you treat your, the people that you're leading, how you treat the people that are, are your peers, come from what you believe in yourself. So what do we believe is true about us? Sometimes we've learned that violence, that raising our voice, that uh, uh, receiving uh, all these celebrations and then receiving all these applauses are good, right? We've learned that. And, and, and we, what do we do? We, if we have a, a mentality of lack, we start keeping them away. We start putting all those crowns away. We start putting all those treasures away and we start be, becoming like Smeagol in Lord of the Rings, treasuring the ring and going mad with it. My precious. Sorry, I'm laughing. No one's laughing here, but I'm laughing. So it drives us nuts. It drives us insane because we start grabbing as much as we can because we feel the lack and we don't know what to do when it starts to dry up. We start getting our identity from it. What I'm going to suggest is something that I do every time that I receive honor in the, in, here in the church or here or at work. Something that I do is when, I'm, uh, when someone, let's say, um, 
I do a good job in your teaching, <laughs> and I receive a lot of uh, compliments on it. Hey, you did an amazing job. I don't react and say no to those uh, offerings on, uh, of celebration. I say thank you. That means a lot because it does mean a lot. So I grab them, I put them all away in my heart, and then I go home. When I get home, I go to the Lord when I'm quiet and I say, hey, I got this, this is yours. And I start handing them back to him. Hey, uh, Bria said this, Alex said this about my teaching, Andrew said this about my, 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 my word, and then I start just giving them back. It's a thing between him and me. Why? Because my value comes from him, so my honor and my glory and my crowns that I receive here, it's back at him. I gotta receive those crowns so I can drop them at his feet. So going back to what, what we think is true sometimes, we think we can control people with violence, we think that we can control people by being loud, by scaring them. We do it with little ch children, right? And, and if you notice, the gospel is not about control. God is not interested in controlling people. Jesus, the way that he had his ministry in the different, like let's look at the Pharisees, how they had their ministry. Their ministry was all set on rules, all set on control, all match every single task that has to be completed, then you're good. You have your value, then you're in. Jesus was not like that. Jesus was, hey, are you connecting with me? Are you giving what I'm giving you? That's what he would ask his disciples. Are you giving what I'm giving you? Go out, spread the word, give what I have given you, because also what has been given for you for free is to be given out. So it's the same with honor. We have, no one should be requiring that honor, but should be giving it out. We normally get poor choices out of, a perfect, out of the perfect place, but it's not a perfect place if you don't have poor choices available. Okay, let's go again. We normally get the poor choices out of a perfect place, but it's not a perfect place if you don't have poor choices available. If you haven't uh, listened to God and Government from Alex, you, I really recommend that you, um, you go back and, and listen to those teaching. It's amazing. I really, really endorse it. I think that you should write a book. And um, one of the things that he just stays on is in the power of making choices and honoring when people choose something. Because in 2 Timothy 1.7, let's open our Bibles. If you don't have your Bible or your phone, Go ahead and look at this. You probably know this because this verse is all over the place. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For the Spirit of God gave us, what He gave us is us, not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That's what He's given us. So there's no less freedom in heaven when you bring heaven to earth. There's poor choices. People can still make poor choices, right? So I don't care so much about your behavior. I care more about your belief system. I care about what you have inside of you that is creating in your interactions. What, yeah, what is inside of you is what is creating an environment around you. So in a conflict, we tend to have three players. We get a victim, a bad guy, and a rescuer. We have this triangle. Now. 
The victim is normally running from the bad guy, who is the probably is the person that is causing some harm on the victim, looking for a rescuer to come and save them. We see this normally when, for example, um, a girl is looking to date a guy. The guy keeps being a jerk and not really treating her fairly. So what does she do? She goes and talks to the friend, to her girlfriend, and she asks, this is horrible and he treats me this way. And what does the friend do? Normally, the, the friend gives her advice, but also consoles her and tries to bring her back and bring her back on, on track and maintains this, this weird triangulation of codependence where she keeps on coming back to her friend and just stays on the same cycle. If the friend doesn't choose, okay, what are you going to do about it? Or points back to the, to, to the victim, what are you choosing to do? She's just going to stay in this cycle. So, what did the Pharisees would do as they would teach and move on and also have their own ministries? They would maintain the power position, the rescuer. Oh, Rome is mistreating you, Israel? Let me rescue you here in the temple, make you feel like you have identity, make you feel like you're safe here from the mean Rome. Right? That was the, that, that was the, the bad guy was controlling them, trying to get them to stop doing their, their traditions, and then they would have the Pharisee that would come and console the people. But then what did Jesus do? Did Jesus protect the people from Rome? No. He would empower them to make changes in their life. So how do we break this cycle? We break it very simple. We put it back. Whenever you are in, the, in that situation where you have the victim, bad guy, rescuer situation, we put them back into, hey, what are you going to do about that? What have you tried? Most of the times when we make bad choices is because we are putting ourselves into a victim mentality. I do it constantly. Sometimes when, 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 when I'm talking to, to, to Lorna and I feel like work is heavy and I feel like I'm, I, I'm tired and everything is falling apart and then I have to do chores like prepare my lunch for the next day, which is terrible. And I tell her, hey, uh, I don't have time. This is horrible. And, 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 and what I'm expecting is for her to rescue me and make lunch, right? But what does she do? Well, normally she just asks me, what, what are you going to do? Have you thought of your lunch plan? What do I do? I get upset because she puts it back on me. And I'm like, I rebuff. And I go back and, and make my own uh, lunch. What am I trying to get up uh, on this easy analogy? I'm trying to make us all realize that we are powerful people. And that when we receive honor, we know how, what to do with it. We give it back to, the, the, to, to him and we don't become dependent and we don't become a victim of our own environment that is, is good. It's a good environment, but we, we can turn it around again. We can create it towards to be self-serving. So how do we maintain it to, become a, a, to keep on going as a river? We remind ourselves where our value comes from, which is from him. Not from the validation, not from the empowerment that other people are giving us. Now, I do want to create a safe place, 
right? I do want to you guys to create a safe place. And I've, I've given this, this, these four things that normally people, uh, I hope people have catch uh, while I teach, which is normally it's validation, number two is connection, empowerment, and feedback. That's how you empower someone. You validate who they are, because we all know, and uh, we constantly say it around here, uh, we look for the golden people. We validate what the Lord has given them. I, I met a person actually um, back in ministry school that she would write down all the prophetic words that she would hear uh, people say about other people. And then one of our pastors asked him, hey, why do you do that? Why do you write down all the, all, all the things that um, other people are receiving? Like the prophetic words for, if I wrote the prophetic word for Tyler in my book. Normally I don't do that. Sorry, Tyler, I don't write your prophetic words. I hope that you do. Um, but this person would. She would write down the prophetic words for, uh, for their friends. And then when I ask, why, why do you do that? And she's like, so I can treat them as the Lord sees them. So I can treat them with the same, with, with the level that the Lord, with the eyes that the Lord is seeing them. So as leaders, we get to establish trust in the environment by giving freedom, and by validating what the, what the value of that person has. Now, we also do it by connecting, right? Creating a connection and nurturing that connection. And then we empower we give them a place to speak. We give them a place to do, to try out what they've been taught. And after they try and they probably don't do a great job we, or they do a great job, we give them feedback. That's important here in a culture of honor. Not everything is, hey, you did great. No, we, even in our, in, in, obviously, in our leadership, we give feedback to each other. Some of the things that the elders want to do in the next meeting is, hey, how is everyone doing in their task? Why? Because we want to know how can we get, how can we be better at hosting what the, or, or, hosting the presence and receiving what the Lord has given us? Because we are not going to be just like, oh, I just need good stuff. No, there's, we need to receive that feedback to become better. Sharp, iron sharpens iron. All right. So feedback comes from trust. Right? Because if there's no trust, the feedback is going to fall flat. So we need to establish that trust. I can trust you that I'm going to give you good feedback. Jesus would see who can handle this truth. And he would deliver the truth to the person that could handle it. Not everyone would receive the same truth. Not everyone would receive the same revelation. That's why you see a problem. Sometimes he would give it a different explanation than the other problem. The disciples even asked him, hey, can you explain further the revelations that you just gave to the people? And he went into detail and he said, okay, to you, I do give you the details on, this, on these parables because they didn't understand it, right? So we need to establish trust on who can I, to what level I can give you the, the truth, right? Now, trust is the exchange, exchange of truth back and forth. Truth is not judgment. Truth is telling someone about me, the effect you have on me. Every time you do something. So if I'm informing you, hey, this is how what you do makes me feel, right? So freedom does not happen without this trust. and does not happen without this exchange. Hear me out. I'm trying to create, maintain this environment of freedom, responsibility, and choices. That's why I keep, reminding, I keep mentioning what, how 
what are the elements that we can have for that? So far, four things. Validation, connection, empowerment, and feedback. It breeds personal responsibility. So I'm gonna open, um, open it up to the fun, the fun part. What do we do with conflict, right? Because in the middle of a bunch of giant people that we're creating in this environment, we're gonna have struggles. We're gonna have shoulders rubbing against each other. So how are we gonna handle that, right? If you open Galatians 6.1, it says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he's something when he's, not, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else for each one should carry his own load. Okay, let's go again. Here's saying, watch yourself or you may also be tempted, right? It says, someone got caught in the sin, someone got caught in a transgression. Don't use it to put yourself above that person, but use it to restore them, to bring them back to where they were, to the level of what they were. So am, am I saying if a wife is, uh, experiencing violence, am I gonna tell her, hey, bring your husband back to the house? No, that's not, not what I'm saying at all. There, uh, forgiveness can happen, but that doesn't mean that you can come back to the house. It means that trust needs to be rebuilt. What I'm saying here is that we are to, in the midst of our environment, whenever someone sins against us, we are to bring them back to the restoration and then together, understand where they're coming from because we are to, here it is, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. So we are to test, what am I doing to help you? How, am I, how, am I, how can I help you in this situation? We are to understand where the other one stands. So it's not our job to get, to people, to get people to do stuff. It's our job to help people understand where they stand and how can I come in in the midst of that and how, they're, how am I experiencing that. So manipulation is witchcraft, by the way. If we want to control people to do something, that's the beginning of witchcraft. In the story of the rich young man that comes to Jesus and he tells him that he, will, that he should give everything away, Jesus watches this person make a wrong decision, a wrong choice, and Jesus doesn't do anything to stop him. He just lets him go. Why? Because sometimes we just need to let people have the capacity of just walking away. What are, what are the goals to confronting someone? You're gonna confront someone that had the thing against you, what are you gonna do? You introduce, you introduce the consequences and you're, you're gonna say, okay, these consequences are about teaching and strengthening you so you become a most, more powerful person. I'm gonna call you out to who you really are. I'm gonna carry the burden, just, how, so, just like Galatians 6, 1 says. I'm gonna help you carry this burden so that I come in and help you carry this burden that you just, you just had. 
so that I can fulfill what the Lord has called me to be. You see that? So we bring to, we bring to the surface what people have forgotten about themselves. The way that they have failed. We say, this is who you truly are. You're too awesome to be behaving like you're behaving right now. Your true calling is this, and you're behaving like this. I want you to come up here. So I'm building up someone, right? We could also apply pressure on exposed areas of like that need strength and we need grace. Like, what are you doing that? Where are you trying? What's the root of that? What are you believing in that? Whenever I have a, a situation where I come to my guys or where I come to, for example, to Austin, hey, I screwed up on this. I, I should have not done this. And he always goes and tells me the same thing. And it's so annoying because the guy just stays quiet because he's an internal process or very internal. And then he says, why did you do that? What, what lie are you believing that drivers do that, right? So that brings me back to the realization, okay, I need to pull that root, that whatever lie is making me believe that, so I can move on past it, right? Now, the keys for confrontations. There must be a safe place, trust, self-control. I'm going to control myself, and I'm going to ask, why? Do I have the right to call this person out? Is there the relationship? Is, does it exist right there? Am I calling out their destiny or am I angry? Am I willing to stay in relationship through the process of this confrontation? That is very, very important. I'm not just going to come here, try to confront you and leave you. I have an example in Genesis 18, 16, for example, uh, doubled up for example, but whatever. Uh, Abraham confronts who? Confronts God. About what? About Sodom and Gomorrah. He's like, he starts negotiating with God. God says, I don't know if I should tell you, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going about to do? Which is basically, if you don't know, Genesis, uh, these, two, these two cities exist, Sodom exists, and uh, it's full of wicked people. They keep sinning. And the Lord is thinking, because back in that day, sin was, there was no solution for sin, so it was like a cancer, and it had to be destroyed or completely eliminated, because if not, it would contaminate the other people. Yeah, that's how the severity of sin was very, very massive to the consideration that he had to destroy it completely. There was no, there was no savior until he came himself, right? So Abraham started negotiating with, with, with God because he said, Abraham will surely become a great powerful nation among all nations for I have chosen him. And the Lord starts saying, then the Lord say, I'll cry against some more and more so great and their sin is so grievous. I will go down and see and destroy him. And then Abraham starts saying, will you sweep away the righteous and with the wicked? What if there are 50 people in the city? He starts negotiating. Will you really sweep it away or spare it? And then he goes down the list, 40, 30. He starts negotiating with God. Why? Because a decision that God was making was being questioned by Abraham. That's the trust level that exists. So everyone here in this environment is confrontable. So, what are the power of questions? They stimulate thinking. They allow the person to find solutions from the inside. So that's how you do the, hey, you ask the person, um, what are you going to do about that to break the cycle? They cre you create opportunities to, for the person to tap into greatness. It allows the person to have a covenant between two people because you're bringing them in 
by asking those questions, you're bringing them in, into understanding of, where, of what their true meaning is, their true uh, value. Some sample questions that you could do is, I'm wondering if, what are you gonna do? Which is the one that I keep bringing up. How is this working for you? Do you want any help with this? Now, the effective communications, right? Um, I feel when you do this, and I need to feel this, right? I feel embarrassed when you say these things, and I need to feel loved, right? We don't use judgment on those thoughts because you're gonna tell, some, you're gonna tell them about yourself. You don't tell me about me. You have to tell me what's going on inside you because the goal is for us to have understanding. All right, just gonna cover quick uh, different types of communication. There's passive communication, which is the, the attempt to convince you that the world, that the, everyone else is more important than they are. You matter, I don't. Aggressive communication is I matter, you don't. Passive aggressive communication is the most sophisticated of all, and, it, and that one is you matter, no, not really. Now, assertive communication is you matter and so do, so do I, and that's what we need. Because you refuse to have a conversation where, where, um, where we are not, the both parties, we're not on the, both, on the same level. We need both on the same level. There's not one on top of the other one, there's both on the same level. You matter and so do I. So these are the, um, the different types of communication. Why am I saying this? Why am I uh, going into detail of how can we do questions? How can we communicate better? How can you, we use um, effective communication like I feel when I need to feel? Because I want to keep creating an environment that Je like the one that Jesus created, where he empowered his disciples and his disciples kept empowering people. Not one that sets on rules, not one that is just looking to destroy or maintain and control, but one that is alive, that keeps on building, right? Success in the kingdom is not just, uh, and on that note, it's not just about building something in ministry-wise, but about relationships. If you look at our, our, our church, the way that we, we work is more, more out of relationships than anything else. We're not fast to, hey, what's the latest thing that we need to change? What's the latest thing that we need to move on? What is someone else doing? We're more interested in knowing each other and building together in relationship. And as slow as that can be, it's way better to have a foundation like that than just trying to build ministries that are just gonna burn out people and burn our volunteers down. I'm looking to empower you guys so that you start building relationships with the people around you and you start seeing the leaders that you have and honor those leaders or honor the volunteers, honor the people that are coming, the, the mentorees that you have so that you don't burn through them, but we keep building relationship and we keep empowering one another so that when we keep giving honor, we keep giving um, celebration, we know how to use it, we know how to steward it and we keep giving it out. We don't just keep it. We become rivers that keep on handing what has been given to us that has been given free. So I want to invite you all right now to close your eyes and just start asking the Lord, hey, the Lord, what's one situation 
where I've been behaving like a victim? What's one situation where I have not wanted to see a solution and where I've been making someone or something the rescuer? If you, when you hear that response or you, when you start finding out, I just want you to know, you can ask for hope. So we're gonna ask, Father, can you give me hope for that situation? Can you give me a person that I can go to where I'm gonna be accountable of what I'm gonna do about it? All right, so I just gonna, let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the congregation you're giving us. Thank you so much for the giants that we're building in this church. Thank you so much for the power and the freedom that you've given us. Help us steward it. Help us become even sharper on our words, on our thoughts, on our honor on one another so that we can keep on not only building a great ministry but building relationships. Relationships that keep pointing back to you. In Jesus' name, amen.